Hello again, and welcome to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. We're going to have a really big show today. That's our good friend, Louis Rodriguez, here in studio. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. And before we do any further introductions, um, <laughs> I just want to go through and, and do a little bit of a promotion for Revolver Broadcasting because uh, Faith, Family, and Politics is a part of that family. Um, that's uh, Alan, uh, Louis, and myself. Sterling over there in the producer's uh, chair is also part of this uh, nice little company. And I hope you guys uh, become familiar with our shows. Because we're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's right. And we're looking to, you know, not only get these messages out to you and the things that we're doing, but we, we want you to be part of our family and uh, pay us so we can keep doing it <laughs> so that we're not so poor. Okay? Dang. Um, Dang. So you're going to check out not only this show, obviously, Faith, Family, and Politics, comment, 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 share, all that good stuff. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But then you're going to have to go over and check out this guy next to me, Alan McFarland's show, The Laughing Libertarian. How are you doing today, sir? Great, great, great. And for three cents a day, <laughs> you can help an Alan. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> can help keep food in my fridge. <laughs> by, by paying the electric bill. He's hungry. <laughs> yeah. It's gone up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and as I introduced before, uh, Mr. Mr. Louis Rodriguez, he's got his show, Rodriguez Rants. So make sure and check that out as well, because uh, episode two uh, drops very soon. So uh, be, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Alan's got a new episode coming up this week. I have um, to. <laughs> it's required. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm really big on gun rights. And well, there's one right yeah. in my ribs right now. Yeah, there's some, there's some things happening. There was some whip crapping early, crack, cracking earlier. That's what I heard. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was like, it was a dreaded march. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's so, why you're wearing double shirts. So, you know, you don't see the, the lashings, the, the sure. lash marks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, the guy over there, you've heard, uh, doing a little bit of sound effects. That's the guy that's bringing the message this week. He's been on here before. It's his second time back. And, uh, his name is Jeremy Hess. That was you coming, him, sir. I don't have a breathing. podcast or anything. I'm just yet just wandered in off the streets. Like, do you guys have a podcast I can be a part of? <laughs> Please, sir, could I have some more? <laughs> and then he's here for a second time. So it was like, cool. He went down our street again. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. I wonder if I was like, you know, it wasn't bad the first time. So, well, maybe that guy just, was just but, a few you know, flashings. Yeah. Both times there were fresh cookies upstairs. So I don't know if that had played into. Okay. It. Okay. Well, don't out me on that. All right. <laughs> yeah, our green room. My, my wife, Laura they has were, been, they were really good cookies. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she gave milk with them, so yeah. I can't pass up on that. Your other job is Santa Claus, apparently. Milk and cookies, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't give any presents, though. I just eat the cookies. <laughs> well, your presence is enough. There you go. Yeah, oh, yeah. see? It is a present. That's swell. It's a, it's That's good, swell of you to say. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Mr. Hess, uh, you've got a message for us this week. What's your title? I do. Uh, title I gave it was Fear Management. Mm, fear Management. Yes. Like Batman? Well, he puts the fear into you. Oh, okay. I guess that is managing other people's fear, <laughs> which is what the federal government. But we're, going, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Sorry. Sarah. What I loved was he said it was the title I gave it. It wasn't the title it earned. No. No. And it's going to pay me back later. Very, I'm just saying. Very socialist of you, sir. Yeah, I know. It's, it's going to pay an interest, though. I'm just saying. Well, we're interested. It's in a food line. I had to, you know, you know. Give it, give it some, give it a little bit of help, and yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you like to lead us in prayer? Let's do it. Cool. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we have. Um, we ask that your blessing would fall upon us. Your Holy Spirit would be with me as I bring forth the message tonight. 
And uh, Lord, we just want to take a time right now to mention those who lost loved ones in Texas. We think of uh, the students, uh, families, um, and uh, the family members of the teachers that lost their lives this week in a very tragic event. And Lord, we just want to pause and lift up those families who are dealing with uh, some very tragic and sorrowful moments right now. And you know, there's it, we know that it's going to be very difficult for a time. And uh, we just ask that you be close beside those who are dealing with this loss, that you be with those students who witnessed this and experienced this, Lord. You know uh, the psychological effect that has on kids and on parents and on other adults, Lord, and ask that you would just be with each one. And so we just lift them up before you today and ask that your comfort and your strength would be with them. And uh, so we just lift them up before you today, Lord. So again, we ask that you'd be with us as we go through this podcast, Lord, that you would give us the words to say, the wisdom to uh, to say them. And uh, in always saying, do we just want to give you praise in your name. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, yeah, so today, this week uh, was reminded once again, fear is very much ever-present in our society, in our world right now. And... Um, this is thoughts that I had before, so I kind of didn't really plan anything out. It was just more of this is my thoughts that I've have accumulated over the last couple of years um, with the pandemic, with you know the writing that we saw during the year of love, as, as other other people have said uh, called it, and uh, you know just witnessing you know we've seen a couple shootings just recently. Mm-hmm. And I know we've, uh, I remember the first one I remember was the Columbine shooting um, and what that meant, seeing that, hearing about it, um, knowing that, I mean, there were probably other ones. We just, that was the one that just stuck out the most in my mind. And uh, so I don't ever remember having that fear of, oh, someone may be coming into our school. Um, But it made you think, made you think about a lot of things. And uh, as a kid, I think you probably, I probably did deal with some fear at that time, just thinking about, wow, you know, there's people that could do the same thing. You just never know. And so, uh, yeah, I think the other, other moment that really stuck out to me as far as feeling fear was right after 9-11 or when 9-11 happened. Um, I was in the Marines at the time, um, stationed out in San Diego with the F-18 squadron. I was doing um, NBC training, which is nuclear, biological, chemical training, gas masks, and all that stuff. And uh, as I was driving, you know, they said, oh, uh, Cessna, that's what they were saying at that time, had flown into one of the Twin Towers. And I'm like, how did you miss that? You know, I mean, how do you fly into a tower? And then as um, I got to the training facility, which was a little bit off-site of the main base, uh, we found out, well, it wasn't just that. And I remember that night going back, driving through, driving around. Um, they had put um, concrete uh, dividers. Slaps. Yeah, so you had to go around them. You couldn't go straight through. And uh, the guards were not just carrying pistols. They were, you know, had flax and were carrying shotguns as well. So we just didn't know. And we got back, and it was just like, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean for you know, us as military personnel. Uh, what does this mean for our country? Um, I had a journal entry. I wish I'd brought that with me, but, um, and I remember reading that a couple of weeks ago and just all that stuff came back. 
And it's not a natural fear. You know, it's just like all the security you felt about our country just kind of evaporated in a very quick moment. And you just saw the terror on people's faces on the TV uh, videos. I mean, of anybody who was there or experienced it or had family there, there, you just, you didn't know. You saw the devastation in Manhattan. You saw it in um, Washington, D.C. I actually went to the place where the plane uh, crashed in Pennsylvania. And I got to see that, and that was just a moving tribute to those people who said, you know what, talk about fear. They had all right, every right to say, "Uh, we're just going to go with this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get killed. They said, nope, we're going to do something about this because they knew someone found out, hey, they're crashing planes into places. I don't know where we're going, but it's going to be, we got to do something. And they managed that fear. I'm, just, I'm not saying they didn't feel fear, but they managed that enough to say, let's do something about this. And uh, when you go to this uh, memorial, I mean, it's just, it gives you chills just thinking about it. And uh, the not really a burial site, but they have a large stone. Uh, and it's a stone um, that's from Pennsylvania. Like it's stone from Pennsylvania. And it's this, I forget how heavy it is, like a couple tons over the site where the plane crashed. And so you just have that memorial that you can see, and you can't walk out there, only the family members or relatives that had people that died in that crash can go out there and walk in the grass and go to that place. But you can see it, and it's just, it just reminded you, you know, even though there was fear, there was that sense of, man, they did something, you know, they did something to stop something very evil from happening. And, uh, uh, my other thought was, you know, we go, we talk about it's Memorial Day weekend this weekend. And uh, as a veteran, um, I've known guys. Uh, there was a gentleman from that I went through boot camp with who died early on in the conflict before I was heading over to Iraq or Kuwait during the war in Iraq. Um, my brother lost a close comrade of his and two other uh, Marines to an IED. So he knew people that, you know, lost their lives. But, uh, I mean, we had, I, you saw that picture I had on my, on my uh, computer back at work where it was, uh, guys, you know, someone has snapped a picture of guys leaving the, the, uh, LAVs going into the Normandy beaches. And it's just this picture of these guys struggling through the water to get to the beaches. And you can see the hills where they have to hit and you know, what's waiting for them. And uh, it's, it, it was called Going Into the Jaws of Death, basically. And um, I was listening to an audiobook about that, the D-Day landings and what that first wave experienced and the following waves. And if you, if you, if you came out of there saying, I wasn't afraid, you were, the other guys would call you a liar. You, you know there was fear. But they said there was just something inherent in what they were trained to do that just pushed that fear aside and said, even though I feel this fear, I still have a job to do. I still have things I have to do. And so we had guys that were marking safe areas or landmine areas, and they were getting killed. And, you know, people clearing away, you know, obstructions and ways for guys to get onto the beach and get off the beach and hit the hills where these, you know, the Germans were. And uh, so, I mean, to me, that's, that's managing your fear. That's saying, I still feel fear, but I'm still doing something. I'm still moving forward. I'm still making progress 
because we have a job to do. We have to, you know, stop this. You know, we have to put a stop to this tyranny. And, you know, protecting the guys to the left and to the right is probably what, there was, what was on their mind primarily. But they knew this was a job. This was the beginning of something that was going to, you know, defeat the enemies that it was they bigger had than to themselves. Defeat. Exactly. Sure. They were just a small piece in a big puzzle, you know? So, uh, so that's what my thoughts usually go to, you know, um, especially on Memorial Day. But like I said, fear, um, fear management. You know, everybody feels fear. You can probably tell me stories. I know Louis could. I know Josh could. Alan, anybody <laughs> that we, and within the sound of our voice or that's watching or listening, can tell us stories of when they were afraid, when they felt fear, but they still, hey, I got to just, got to push through this. You know, I got to do what I have to do. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we all witnessed, you know, via the news what happened in Texas. And, you know, that's the worst feeling is seeing young people, especially that age, experiencing something like that, experiencing that amount of fear in a very, at a very young age. And to me, that's just monstrous. I can't imagine seeing someone that I, or knowing somebody of that age or even a teenager. I mean, any, any child, uh, experiencing something like that and I remember before like after 9-11 it was more of a bipartisan thing of well yeah this is a terrible situation there's a terrible event that happened yet let's take time to mourn let's take time to heal let's take time to just put politics aside and focus on surrounding these people with love and care and prayers and all this the positivity that we experienced. And it's like we're falling away from that. It feels to me like we're falling away from that. And instead of saying, you know, let's get it, you know, time to heal, it's more just, oh, it's political sound bites. It's more, I'm going to use this to prove a point that we need to do this and we need to do that. And it's like, what happened to that? What happened to that time where we just, instead of, you know, experiencing it and, you know, praying and thinking through and through and, you know, not going based off emotion. What do we do? Why, why, why don't we do that anymore? They took God out of it. <clears throat> they took God out of it. Yeah. And that's a lot of things. And a lot of it is we just don't have that conscience. We don't see conscience with regards to this. So uh, I did have some scriptures that we, um, that I've found on this. The first one, the main verse is found in John 16.33, and it reads like this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, I being God the Father. And that's, we, as, as Christians, that is what we mainly focus on in times like this. You know, it's hard to look in society and see, you know, try to find hope. You know, you'll have guys that stand up and say, you know what, you know, it's just, you know, take time to mourn to this or, hey, you know, we're going to change things. We're going to try to, we're going to try to protect our children more. We're going to set people up that can protect them from things like this happening. Finding out why people like this young man who committed this heinous act do things like this. Because it's not just, it's not just a limited thing. We, we see this more often, it seems like. So, you know, what, what are we doing to help our kids adjust to 
what they see around them. Because I was like uh, thinking about it earlier. It's like all they hear and see is everything on the news is negative and there's wars and there's disease and there's, you know, everybody's, you know, shuttered up in the homes and it's like we're locking down and all this other stuff. And it's like it's taking away their hope in a lot of way. And, and if there are psychological issues involved, it's exasperating them. <laughs> I think I said that wrong, but, you know, it's making it worse, you know, to the point where you see what we see, what we saw this week in Texas. And it's like, what are we doing to help our kids adjust to that or to find that positivity instead of just focusing on all the bad stuff that's happening around the world? Because that's a lot what we see in the news is pushed is all the bad stuff. We don't hear a lot of the good stuff. We just hear, oh, this person did this and against this person and the violence. And, you know, of course, you know, Depp Heard thing is, you know, that's crazy, (laughs) crazy story in and of itself. But it's like, wow, you know, people are just doing some crazy stuff out there, you know. And then you have all these, you know, people going out there and virtue signaling, saying, oh, look, this is why we can't have guns and all this other stuff. And it's like, there's something deeper to that. You know, there's something deeper than just that. And a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about, which is fear. They've allowed fear into their hearts to the point where it changes them into something that maybe they weren't, their parents didn't want to see them that, but they're just like, I don't know what else to do. You know, if they had that, that verse of assurance right there, that that, that one verse, can you read that one for me again? Yeah. It's in the, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Right. So like if, if a young person hears that, you know, just just those assuring words right there. I think that would that would be a multitude right there. Or that at least that at least God's open got up some Yeah. Or at least open up questions like who is this God? You know, what does what does God have to do with this? And of course, like you said, they're taking God out of schools and everything like that and saying, Well, can't talk about that. It's like we can't even talk about the idea about that. I mean, we're saying, Hey, this is you know, if we're trying to be equal in how we teach kids well give them all the ideas about that everything that's out there and help them you know let them make up their mind instead of oh we're this is what we're going to teach them or this is how we teach them you know and just it's strictly this one way of thinking and if you can't think like that well we're not going to listen to you or you're going to be canceled you know sounds like they need their next steps in in fear management (laughs) yeah so um the other verse that we had was found in psalms a lot of these were in psalms interestingly enough but uh, the next one was David Psalms. knew a lot about fear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if anyone knew fear, I mean, his first job was what facing off against a lion and a bear, and then facing off against you know a giant. I mean, I, I would imagine he felt fear, but he obviously did what he did because he, he had confidence in the <laughs> Lord. You know, it wasn't just a oh no, it's a giant like all the other Israelites are doing. Even the king, it was like yeah, but God can take care of this. You know. So uh, Psalms 34, 4 through 7 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So I know Louis had talked about angels before, but I mean, I thought that was a pretty apropos verse that the Lord sets angels around about us. And especially probably in times where it's, you know, things are going really bad and we just feel like, oh, 
you know, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. I would imagine that's the time that the Lord's presence is most dear and most, you know, present in our lives because he helps us to manage whatever we're dealing with, whether it be sadness, depression, or fear. So I thought that was a really good verse as well. And and I don't want to take up everybody. If somebody has something to say, I'd, I'll give them the opportunity. Because <laughs> I can talk. I, I, you can ask my dad that. I, I can talk. <laughs> but uh, uh, then the next one was Psalm 20, 27, 1 through 3, which reads, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So, I mean, right there we talk about war. We talk about, I mean, it's not just a physical war, a violent war that we see like we saw in Afghanistan and Iraq. It can be a war within the society that we're talking about. And, I mean, it's it's almost come to blows. I mean, it has come to blows, really, if you think about it. Even a well, personal war, a spiritual yeah. war. I mean, it's... It, we all have those struggles. Yeah. And we all have those people that are set against us. And we know that, in a, in a spiritual sense, we know it's not those people specifically. It's the enemy using those people to feel, to make us feel like, oh, yeah, you know, you need to be afraid, you know? Causing that fear. The fear of being good and bad. And um, also challenging who you are. Yeah. And challenging who you are, I think that's important, but not to the point where you're changing the very essence of who you are. You know, there's change. Everybody changes. Alan's probably not the same person he was when he was a kid. I know I'm not. Josh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty big kid at heart. But if but. you're doing bad, there's always a change. Yeah. You change to be good. Right. Yeah. You learn. I mean, it's a maturing process. You know the difference. You learn the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. If you don't, well, it's going to be a very difficult life for you. <laughs> That's for sure. Certainly. Um, and then the other verse I had was, uh, I think this is the second to last one. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look on their tri- their tri- look in triumph on their foes. So I thought that was pretty accurate. Um, they will have no fear of bad news. We've all gotten bad news. We've seen bad news happen this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was last week before. It was in Buffalo. Uh, and obviously, like I said, going back to 9-11, that's... That was devastating, not just to, you know, a group of people. The world world witnessed that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw it live on action, seeing those buildings crumble was just like, is this really happening? You know, that surreal feeling of, oh, wow, this is serious. You know, we just, there was just a a lot of lives that were lost all in that very short amount of time, you know. And if if only we could go back to our past selves and give give ourselves that first verse you read. Yeah. Yeah. During that time, for, for sure, the assurance, right? Yeah, and I'm sure there were people that looked to looked to the Lord, looked to the Word to find solace, to find help, to find strength. Um, I know when I was in boot camp, I didn't know everything to, 
there was to know about boot camp. Never shot a weapon <laughs> before in my life. So I'm like, man, I, I want to get through this the first time because I did not want to go through it again because if you don't make it through the first time, they recycle you, as they say, and you go through boot camp from the day one on up. So I'm like, I want to get through this the first time. So I know I was praying. <laughs> I know there was fear, like, oh, I don't want to be left behind. You know, I want to get through this the first time. And I had other people praying for me, obviously. And even though there was that fear, I it was manageable fear, you know. And that was, again, because of the prayer, prayers that I was praying, having that little pocket testament that they give you, and then knowing that I have family, you know, up in New York and in other places that were praying for me helped me to manage that fear in a very productive manner, you know. Well, there's so. no men in this world that could say that they never have fear. Exactly. We all have fear in us. Yep. No matter where we're at. Absolutely. All we have to do is conquer our fear. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes sometimes it's it feels like you can't conquer that fear or that's you can't manage that fear. There's and some those people are times like that, yeah. And there are times where you either you buckle under that or you just like fight through it, you know? And part of that Part of the training that you get in the military and the Marines, especially for guys that, you know, fought, fought ground side, uh, especially, you know, back in, uh, you know, World War II, when those guys were hitting the beach, that was the first combat they'd seen. And they were going against an enemy that had been fighting for the last, you know, three years. So it was a battle-hardened enemy. These guys, it was the first time they'd faced combat, faced death, mortality. And they said, at some point, a lot of these guys said that, Training kicked in, whether it was that drill instructor in their ear or drill, you know, drill sergeant in their ear saying, you get this, you do that. They had that in their head. They're like, well, yeah, I feel afraid right now, but I'm going to focus on what I need to do. And they said that training kicked in and that was what saved their lives. And, you know, to me, that's like, you know, some of the stories I heard in this audiobook about D-Day. I mean, what they saw, what they witnessed firsthand. I mean, I can't imagine it, you know. And uh, being there on 9-11, seeing those buildings crumble, can't imagine that. I see the videos, and I can imagine it, but, I, you know, it's just not the same as I was there. I saw that, you know. And I was a block away when that happened. Were you? I was watching them come down. I saw people even jump off the buildings trying to save themselves. Yeah. They had the fear of getting burned. Yeah. So they decided to jump instead of burning. Yeah. And, I, like I said, that's just one of those decisions that's I can't I can't imagine that you know having that decision you know mm -hmm. but I mean again that's managing fear you know you had you knew it was death either way and making that choice I'm not, this is what I'm going to do so yeah um, and the final verse I had was uh, Proverbs 1 7 which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction now, this is interesting that we uh, we always heard about the fear of the Lord growing up, and I thought, wow, so I just got to be, you know, sitting here like <laughs> worried about everything, like God's going to hit me with a hammer or something when I mess up. And this is the big difference between having unmanaged fear or, as I call it, unadulterated fear or um, unmitigated fear, where it's just it's total control of you, and you're just, you know, either you're running for your life, you know, feeling that fear, I can imagine that's, you know, you out of body experience, but there's a difference between that and fearing, you know, having an, 
intelligent fear about something. Having a common sense fear, I think that's what it is. Knowing, hey, I can mess with that scorpion, (laughs) or I can mess with that copperhead, but I know if I do, that thing's either going to stab me or bite me. So I'm just going to avoid that. Other than, you know, being that person, like you see a snake and like, ah, and you start running away, you know, there's a difference, you know, and what I was taught about the fear of the Lord was having enough to know that he judges, he judges our actions, holy and without bias, he judges our actions. He knows our internal thoughts, what we go through, he knows what we've done, and there's no hate or malice. It's just he knows yes or no. You, you, you make, it, make it to heaven or you're making it, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And it breaks his heart, I know, to see people yeah. having to send people to hell. But that's the fear. You know, it's like don't fear what men can do to the body. Fear what the enemy can do to your soul. You know, there's, yeah. there's a difference between, well, I'm dead and now I'm, you know, it's beyond that, beyond death that we have to worry about. But knowing that the Lord is the perfect judge, he knows exactly what, what we've done in our lives if we've asked, you know, we've had, you know, that time of forgiveness where we gave our life to the Lord and said, you know what, I know I'm going to make mistakes, but Lord, I'm going to trust you that you forgive me, that you're going to show me mercy and grace. That's where that fear comes from, knowing I don't want to be in that place where God says, you know, you didn't make it, you know, sorry, you know, and now I have to send you to a place I don't want to have to send you. And knowing that fear, that's where that fear is, not just, oh, I'm afraid of everything I do and say and everything. You live like that, you're going to be like, no, I don't want to be this Christian. (laughs) This Christian (laughs) thing is crazy, man. I got to be afraid of every action move I take and every word I say. I got to, oh, I got to ask for God forgiveness every five seconds, you know. And I've I lived my life like that before, where it was just like unmanaged fear. Oh God, oh, I'm sorry, you know. I did, I did, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean it. It's like God knows, you know. He does. And if you know, He knows your heart. Yeah. He knows what you're really feeling. Yeah. And if you're lying, He would know. And the thing is, we know that Jesus' blood covers that covers our sins. Mm-hmm. It's not that we um, live perfect lives after we get saved. It's that God's Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross and when he was re- raised from the dead, that takes care of it. As long as we're faithful to the Lord, as long as we're doing what we know to the best of our knowledge, we're doing what the Lord asks us. And we're being you know, a good example to those around us and living our lives as biblically as possible. That's where that, but that, Fear of the Lord is not just a, a fear, like, oh, my word, everything I say and do is wrong, and I have to ask forgiveness all the time. Yeah, but if I go back to your very first verse, yeah, uh, he's managing our fear for us. So, right. So, like, like, I say, next time someone comes to you and they say, I'm going to make you fear, <laughs> say, let me talk to my manager. Hold on. And you, yeah. put, you clasp your hands together and you pray right. to help you out. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, the last, there was a quote I found too. I thought this was a pretty good quote. It says, it's okay to be scared, but don't let that fear overpower your mind and control you. And like I said, a lot of times that's what, not not just our government. I don't want to rag on them. I mean, we, we're going to rag on them later. So, and I know, 
Alan's giving me that look like, are you serious? Oh, he's been champing at the bit. That's what, know. that's what he's here for this week. I know. So, I mean, yeah, our government does it a lot. And not just not just left. It's it's on the right, too, where we just hear so much stuff where it's like they're monopolizing on the death of kids. It's like, just let it go, man. You know, don't just say something because everybody wants to say something and go based off emotion. But it's like, let's just do something and we'll just trust that, you know, what we say holds some weight and, you know, stop, just stop with the words, you know, offer your comfort and say, hey, we're going to figure this out, you know, well, let's, let's give this a little time to breathe. They're operating on fear and they're not managing Exactly. Or they're, like I said, they're monopolizing on fear and that's, that's where it really frustrates my grace so i mean it's the best tool right oh it is <clears throat> it is when we stop worrying about something they can't control us right uh, you look at people who who are knowledgeable about something and they stop fearing something yeah exactly you know, and then you look at other people who are constantly fearing things we've seen this in numerous different fashions especially over the last couple of years right mm-hmm. we've seen it albeit uh you know biological um you see it all over the world with warlords and uh, terrorists and things like that. These people, you always kind of go, you know, I'm one of those people who, you know, if when someone makes me fear them, it only happens for a few seconds. And then something clicks in my brain and goes, now I'm offended that you made me fear you for a second. And now I'm angry. And now I'm going to show you why you need to fear me. (laughs) And, but having that mentality, you look at other people in other countries and you go, why can't you just stand up? Why can't you do that? And it's just because they've been given fear. They've been fed fear. This isn't this isn't today's fear. This isn't last week's fear. This is a lifelong situation where they have been raised to fear someone, something, something bigger than them, scarier than them, greater than them, worse al- than them. It's almost genetic, really. <clears throat> right. Because yeah. when 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 uh, the most frustrating thing for me was when we watched what happened in Afghanistan. Now. I'm not. I wasn't unrealistic. I had an idea. We're gonna pull out of there at some point. I knew it in the you know deep down in the marrow of my bone. I just knew we were gonna pull out of Afghanistan, and I didn't know what was gonna happen. I knew there was gonna be infighting, and I knew the Taliban was gonna do what it always does. But when we watched what we saw, you know, when we saw you know the video footage of, you know, just something that you see in movies. And then you just watched how these these guys that have been trained to, hey, we're going to defend our country now against the Taliban, just melt away like, you know, ice in the sun. And it was just like, it was painful to watch that. But it also, in in a very sad way, it didn't shock me. Because like you said, it was just their, their mentality is, it's the Taliban. We can't, we can't fight against that. And that's what I don't understand. <laughs> if, if you know death is inevitable, if you're on that plane and you know death is inevitable, if you're, if you're in that country and you're dealing with you know, ISIS, ISIS-K, Taliban, anything you're dealing with, and you understand that death is inevitable. Then whom shall I fear? Then, yeah, there's nothing left to fear, right? <laughs> right. Every, day is wor- every day is the day you might die. Right. Every day is the day you might die. And you know because they're beheading people. They're killing people in the streets. Yeah. They're stoning people, yeah. things like that. I'm not saying this is, you know, I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying this is what we see. I'm right. just saying if you wake up every day fearing and fearing and fearing and fearing and fearing, at what point do you go, okay, fine, 
I could have died yesterday. I could have died a week ago. I can die today. I could buy, I could die so, next week, but I'm not going to let anyone else live in this fear. Psychological right. warfare. It's like the baby elephant that, that's yeah. ch- tied, tied to the tree at, at a small age. Right. Yeah. And then as it get, grows larger, it thinks that it has to stay there. Right. Out of fear. Cause it's been, it's been whipped and told that it can't pull up, pull away from this tree. And then, hmm. yeah, it could, pull it over, you know, pull it out without any trouble and and upend it. And so, you know, one thing, and as you were talking about, you know, 9-11 and uh, World War II and and all these other people on the plane and and so on and so forth, I was just thinking, like, I like to think that that is a, that is a, that is truly an American characteristic. You know, from the beginning, Mm. we said, you know what, we're we're not going to let you do this. You're not going to make us live in fear. Yeah. You know, you're going to pay for making me feel fear. Yeah. But we're starting to see people in our country cowtail. We're starting to see people go, oh, it's okay. I, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Protect me. Protect me. Safe space. Yeah. And, and, and it's so strange to see that because this country yeah. has never been that way. No. Yeah, they've lost the rebel blood. Yeah. <laughs> fear is always there. You could go out, get blown up. At any time, and you know it's going to be dynamite or mines out there that could kill you at any time. But fear also created heroes. I mean, I have to walk in there. There's a lot of heroes that went out there. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of heroes that went out there with fear, but they still went and did what they had to do. Yeah. And I always thought, I I remember watching a a series called Band of Brothers, and uh, when they were going through the the Battle of Bastogne, Jackson Five, yeah, exactly. Band of Brothers, <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. The, was no, that was sisters. No, that was the Brothers Band. Ah, <laughs> you got that. Gotcha. You got the title mixed up. So it wasn't making the band; it was breaking the band. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what their dad did to them. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but Good important job. point. You know, we got to differentiate. Um, but uh, they talked about the the bombings in Bastogne. The Germans would just pound there, loving, you know. And they said, you just didn't know. Those artillery shells would fall anywhere and everywhere. And you'd think, hey, I'm in the safest spot ever. And the next thing you know, it's like, boom, and you're, you know, it's gone. And they said, the, you, you'd see two things. You'd see the rookie guys, the replacements coming in. And they were the ones running around like chickens with their heads cut off, running, oh, I got to find a safe spot. And then they look and they see these veterans just sitting there calmly eating their food or just, you know, duck down in their, in their hole, just waiting for it to be over. And they said, you know, the guys come up, it's like, you know, what are you guys doing? It's like, you know, I've seen, I've seen my friends blown to smithereens and it could be where I'm at, could be where they're at. You just don't know where that's going to happen. So I could, so say I run to this spot and I think, well, now I'm safe. And that's exactly where that next shelf hits. You just don't know. So it's like, why am I going to run around like a crazy person if I just know, you know, life is like that, though. You don't know. And it's like, if we're just going to live in fear of what life throws at us, you know, then are we really living? You know, kind of like, a, I think that's a William Wallace quote. Is it really living if we're just in abject fear of what the government's going to do or what, you know, the CDC is going to say or what Dr. F- you know, our or Lord what is, and Savior, or what Dr. The sniffles Fauci. Is. <laughs> or what the sniffles is today. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. It's like you take a chance no matter what you do. You're taking a chance. So I, I, 
I never got to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, let that pride sink in. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to be fine. I just had this knowledge in the back of my head when this pandemic hit and the masking thing took place. I got to a point where I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get it, it's going to happen regardless if I'm wearing a mask, if I'm vaccinated or not. And obviously we've seen that. And so I just refused to live in fear of it. I knew it was there. I knew it could hit me. And I knew people were saying, well, if you don't have the vaccine, it's going to be a lot worse for you. And I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm good with that. And Not that I'm looking to die or that I want to die, but I'm ready. If, I, if it happens, I'm ready for it. And that's where it changed in my head a lot of things. Because, again, that was something that, you know, I had to figure that out. And the Lord obviously gave me some wisdom on that, too. And so. there's still people fear of that. Yeah, It's yeah. foolish yeah. to live yeah. in that yeah. fear. It's foolish yeah. to live in that fear. Right. And that's how we end up with people by themselves in their car with a mask on. I just yeah. I made it three weeks of sitting in my house. Three weeks. The third week I was wow. sitting in my house. I looked outside at everybody and I was like, I'm just going to go find a place that's crowded and just breathe their air. Because I am, I'm serious. It's, it sounds no, hilarious. Right. No. But like I sat inside and I, I was it. like, this is breaking me more than whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident my immune system can take it. Yeah. And if it can't, I would rather do it. I'd rather live or die that way mm-hmm. than yeah. be in here. And right. once I have, you know, this strain out of the way, and we're, granted, we didn't know how rapidly it was going to right. mutate, right. but right. it was still one of things like, once I have it out of the way, I don't have to fear. Yeah. Right. You, you rolled did that thing twice, right? Like a tank? Yeah, I got it twice. Like a tank. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was ooh, little shivers for three hours one time. The so second it, time, I just thought I had, a, I had a runny nose. So it didn't just roll over you. It turned around and ran over. It came back. It came back, back, it, yeah, it came back over but, you. And that fear <laughs> brought more damage than oh, just yeah. being feared because yeah. people had to stay home. Yeah. It mentally hurt them. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it was no good. Especially know? extroverts, man. I mean, we're, we're used to being around people. Yeah. Two guys on this side of the table, that's for sure. Well, that's why I couldn't work from home. I knew if I got stuck at home all the time and I wasn't going anywhere, I wasn't doing it because I was going between where I worked, where there was maybe two other people, three other people maybe, plus me. And going back home, that was that was the extent of my thing. But I was still out, and I was still interacting with the people that were there, the two people that were there. And even just that little interaction was just enough to be like, okay, you know, I can get through this. Because just me being stuck, I'm very, I can be very reclusive. So I can get to that point where I'm just, I again, I just go out, go to work, go home, go work, go home. And that's not good. That's not good for me mentally. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, these kids are experiencing that whether they want to or not because it's either it's the school system or the temp parents saying, nope, not going to happen. And then it's like, why are these kids, you know, so, you know, angry, frustrated, I remember depressed. Back so. before it actually even kicked off, before, before COVID was a thing. And I remember discussing with one of my coworkers because we had three of us in a little office. And it was no bigger than this studio. I mean, it seemed maybe it was a little bigger, but you know, three guys in one little stu- uh, one little place working all day long on computers, uh, you know, and we're uh, cheek to cheek sometimes. It felt like, but thank you, right? You guys are cozy. <laughs> yeah, which cheeks? a little little too cozy, which right? Cheeks? That's that co- that's a val- valid question. Valid question, <laughs> right? And so uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had the thank God we were uh, essential. 
because I'm too much of a social creature. But, but, but beforehand, I remember discussing it and thinking like, okay, well, this thing is happening over there in China. It's over there. I remember like just before we had with bird flu and, and uh, some other, other different strains of things. And we've had hoof and mouth. We've had, we've had all kinds of weird things. Even all the these, monkey pop. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a current thing now, but you know, but it was always like, well, it got managed and it happened over there. It happened away. So it's like, well, it's not, it's, you know, we haven't seen a case over here yet. And then it was like mm. overnight and gangbusters. Right. Yep. And uh, it was all of a sudden it was like, okay, things are going to lock down. And then the streets were empty and like talk, Alan talked about like being an extrovert and you're just like, okay, we're, like, you see the same three people every day and going like twiddling my thumbs and yeah. <laughs> when am I going to see other people that we're used to seeing and we used to have all these people together and having fun yeah. and going to the park and throwing a Frisbee is not possible anymore. What can we just do that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fear to manage just to get through that, just to deal with the disconnect because we're social creatures by nature. Not even right. just, not even just extroverts, introverts also need that social connection because yeah. we're human beings and we need social yes. connection. Well, yeah. Introverts more so because without that connection, they just, like you said, I, I don't know where this, the, the young man who, uh, and I won't say his name, but who shot up this, you know, this Texas school. I don't know what he went through, but a lot of the things that they heard, you heard about who, what other people had said about him, whether it was friends or family, were just saying, oh, yeah, he had, you know, he was just so, you know, he was by himself and he just couldn't interact and he just had this, you know, and some of his friends like, yeah, we just there was some something off about him. We just didn't say anything. Yeah, it's like, but this is, this that's is evil. Oh, it is. And I'm not, I'm not excuse. You got that. problems and this and that. You don't go to a school right. and start killing our two years old right. and four year old graders. You know? Right. No, and there's no excuse for that. I'm not excusing him at all. I'm just saying what, I what hope leads God never forgives him. What leads yeah. What leads someone to get to that point where it's just like, well, this is all I have left. This is all I can well, do. Well, you know? Before we get into that a little bit too far, because we, we do have article yeah. about that later on but um so we've got a shortened time here because we've we've kind of we did went off the rails here <laughs> um so let's uh let's tell some stories about fear um things that we've feared um for me i remember um when i was a teenager and we were walking me and my friend uh we were walking his niece and her friend home they were a little bit younger than us um that maybe 13 14 years of age is when they, they what they were and we were i think 17 <clears throat> and we had to go past a uh, they weren't a, they weren't it wasn't a gang house but they certainly did they did certainly uh, operated drugs out of there but they pretended they were a gang hmm. th- those type of guys you know but there was plenty of them and they were hooting and hollering at the 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 girls that we were walking back to uh, to their house, and um, we knew that it was going to be trouble. And I had to figure out, okay, something's going to happen. Something's going to go down. Um, how do we manage this? What what's, What is the best outcome that can come from this? Because as we get about um, a block down the road, um, I can see out of the corner of my eye when I look back that they're now running after us. Mm-hmm. Um so I told the girls, run as fast as you can. Now, <laughs> thinking that my friend was going to stick by my side 
and we were going to turn and try to fend off as many as we could, I found myself by myself. Um, he was just as fra- afraid of the, the group as the, the late, the young girls were. Mm-hmm. And so I said, forget it. I'm, I'm doing this. I, I'm going to stand my ground uh, for the, for these, for these young ladies. Mm-hmm. And I had to put that fear away and I just had to let God handle it. And um, I managed to uh, knock out a, a couple of young men, but uh, it, it didn't, uh, didn't last too long before I was, I was on the ground and, um, yeah, um, jumped. Mm-hmm. Um, but the girls got away. Okay. And I ultimately came out. Okay. And the situation did ultimately get handled, um, in, in a very particular way uh, that I, that I won't divulge on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I had to do what I had to do. I knew that I had to, I knew that I had to stand my ground. I knew that I had to be, to deal with that fear because I, I, I was, you know, I knew that there was going to be 15 to however many they had. I didn't know how many they, they, they had, but I knew how many they were going to use by the time they got up to me. There was at least five on me. And, uh, um, let me tell you, there's, there's no, no winners in, in a situation like that. And, um, this is not a pride thing. This is just, I, I knew what I had to do and I stood my ground and, and controlled that fear. And, uh, one of the scariest, uh, Moments. Moments, yeah, for sure. Because, and the, so it was like from that point on, anytime, because those situations come up a lot in a neighborhood, um, in particular kinds of neighborhoods, and the kind of neighborhood that I grew up in, Alan had similar situations happen, I'm sure. And so it was after that time, because before then, I, I mean, I could, I, I could always pretty well handle myself, but after that time, it was always like this little bit, a uh, little voice in the back of my head. If, if this situation rose again, it was like, Am I going to find myself by myself again? Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I learned, I learned to manage because I actually, there, there, uh, a few years later, I did end up finding myself by myself again. <laughs> um, because the fellows that I was hanging out you with, get, yeah, you need to get some new and friends. I, and I did, <laughs> I, 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 circ- I circled back, <laughs> um, to some good friends. Uh, so, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad to have guys like Alan back in my life. Because uh, we were friends with small children, and um, so that's been a blessing. Hmm. Um, and guys like Louie come into my life through happenstance, and and we've become probably the best of friends as well. And who may um, or may not have landmines in his front yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to say may or may not. <laughs> and uh, very large, very very tall fences. Um, <laughs> big beautiful fences. Uh, but yeah, that helped me. Uh, these guys have been here and Sterling, uh, I, I got to thank you from behind the producer's desk and I can't see your face no, from over here. Hair. He's hiding, he's hiding he's behind hiding the, now. yeah. <laughs> um, cause I got, I got to thank you these guys. I got to take, take a moment to thank these guys for being in my life and, and helping me getting over the fear of not starting this show, yeah. of actually dipping in and trial by fire, making me eat my own words and doing it. And, uh, Yeah. So we managed that fear, and, and, and here we are. We're in episode 21, speaking with Jeremy Hess. Yeah. And, you know, we're doing it, man. Yeah. We are. Absolutely. Alan, you got a story about fear? Story about fear. 
There's Sterling over there. <laughs> he's very intimidating. And you gotta watch out for the man. He's, he's got it. He has his fist in his other hand. You gotta be watch. You gotta watch out for the quiet ones there. Right? We do. We really do. He seems very stabby stabby. There you go. Um, <laughs> With as he clicks his pen. <laughs> so fear. Um, no, there's there's definitely instances of of dealing with being outnumbered. Um, there's definitely instances of like my heart falling out of rhythm. That was, that was something right. Mm. But, and at some point you just have to go, well, it is what it is and we have to deal with it. But really, I think the, I hate to, I hate to go this route, but when my daughter was little, she had, and apparently a lot of kids do this when they feel pain, they hold their breath. Mm. Okay. And, um, probably the most fearful I was, uh, she was getting in the car. She was getting into my car. I went inside to grab something of hers. I heard her scream. I opened the door and she's running toward me. She's little. She's maybe two or three years old. And she's running toward me as fast as she can. And as soon as she gets within inches of my hands, she just goes limp and falls into my hands. And I have no idea what's happened. Like literally I've been 10 feet away. She's right outside my door getting in my car. And I'm just grabbing something for her, and I hear her scream. And she had shut her shut her fingers in the door, right? Yeah. And shut her fingers in the door, and she started holding her breath. And I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, I, I turned my back for a moment, mm. and uh, I came back, and she's running toward me. And then suddenly, right as she gets to my hands, her body just drops, and she's out. She's completely out. And I'm freaking out because I don't know what happened to my kid. Like, what happened? Right. Did something hit her in the head? Right. You know. Is she having something you know, going on that's internal that we can't see? That's, you know, what's going on? Is she going to come too? And I just remember that panic. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I can't fix the situation. I'm used to fixing everything. I'm not used to being scared of anything, and I'm used to fixing everything. And this was something that was out of my hands, you know? Mm. And so finally she kind of came to, and I immediately called the hospital. And, and uh, I just remember... Like I like to pride myself as being a per on, on being a person that doesn't overreact and that manage my manages my emotions and stays logical. That's kind of my <laughs> my whole shtick, right? Mm. But I just remember calling. And they said, "How are her hands?" And I was like, "I don't care about her hands. We can figure that out. Like, what happened to her neurologically that causes this problem? Like, I need to come in. We need to get a scan. We need to figure this out." They're like, "How are her hands?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "You guys are morons." Who is there someone there with a PhD who can talk to me? Because I don't care about her hands right now. And they're like, look, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, this happens to a lot of kids. But it was just being able to like yeah. break through that fear and just be able to just analyze it, figure it out, finally push the push the emotions down and realize that I was being actually illogical. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that was me fighting through my fear. I don't think so. I think that was me just learning. Mm. But yeah. You know, there are very few times I can think where I was think of that I was actually fearful, that I was actually scared. And it's not big tough guy show here. This isn't that right. at all. No. Right. It's just right. I process that differently. Right. Um, but that was one moment that will always stick with me where I was literally scared. Because I mean, scared of for my life is one thing, but that that's that's just my responsibility over hers is way more valuable to me than my own life. Right. Okay, I'm I'm over my I'm over I'm over telling people my weaknesses. Y'all want for us, Louis? I know he does. I had quite a few fears. One of them was when my kid was crossing the street 
when he was with his two big sisters, but he decided to run out in the streets and a car hit him. Mm. The wheel caught him, dragged him a few blo- half a block, mm. and he's laying there looking at me like, Daddy, and hopeless. Mm. I thought he was going to die. My fear was that he was going to die, and I prayed to God, please don't let him die, please. And I was so mad that he got hit. I was just yelling out, who hit him? Who hit him? Because I wanted to attack the person who did it. You know, but nobody was saying, they wasn't, they didn't dare say who it was because they knew what I was going to do. Yeah. And I was in fear of that kid of dying. But I'm glad that he survived and came out all right. And that was one of my fears. Another of my fears was I'm coming home from work. I get off the bus. I'm walking down the street. And um, I see these two guys grab this Mexican guy. They put his coat over his head, and they dragged him into this abandoned building. One of them was standing there like he had a gun. And I'm looking at him. They both went into the abandoned building. I ran towards the end where they went, where there was an opening. I'm standing there, and I'm telling God, please help me. I was scared to go in there. But I was saying, God, help me. What could I do to help this guy out? And I guess he put it in my mind to say, and I yelled out, police. There's the police. I'm coming in. And when I went in, they ran. Hmm. I grabbed the guy. I pushed him out and saved them from maybe getting killed or worse. But that day I was really scared. I thought I was going to get shot, you know. But something inside me made me go in there and help him out. It goes right back to his, his first verse. Yes. At the top, right? We know there will be troubles. To, yeah. So you prayed out to him, right? Yeah. And then he was like, here's your cape, my son. Go be a superhero. I'm he thinking put, of, He put in my mind yeah. what to say. I'm thinking of the crappy scenario where these jerks run out the back door and then call the police because you impersonated a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> like these guys are breaking the law. You scared them. They call the police and have you arrested for impersonating a police officer. There goes Louie. I figured. Bye, you know, Louie. Same police. You know, they get scared and run, you know. Yeah. I don't know. That was perfect. Maybe they would have gave Louie a medal of saying, hey, you know, you're a, or a little... <laughs> certificate welcome to the police force you can only have that thing about it at the end i told him you want me to walk you home and he goes no leave me alone I, i'll be all right yeah and he just walked away but i was glad in my mind yeah. that he was all right you know? yeah he picked up his groceries from the floor because he dropped all his groceries mm. and he just kept walking just kept walking hmm. that works yeah well i think we've got down to the politics portion because jeremy you know you've you've uh, you've told us quite a few stories of some things that yeah. you feared and well um, i will say this there was one time where my mom uh, i was living with my parents at the time and i heard my mom downstairs and usually she's rummaging around doing something and all of a sudden i heard like a yelp or something like that yeah. and also and then this thump 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 and now upstairs, I'm upstairs and I'm thinking, what was that? You know, like I thought she dropped like a laundry basket. And I like called out to her, I didn't hear. Called out to her again, didn't hear. And I ran probably the fastest I've ever run down the stairs, down 
to the uh, basement stairs, and she was down at the bottom of the basement stairs with her leg tangled up. I mean, it looked the worst. That was probably the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I was terrified, like, oh, I just lost my mom like my mom was dead. And I ran down there. I had the presence of mind because, you know, there was something in my mind that was saying, you know, just focus, make sure she's all right, make sure she doesn't move anything, while the rest of me is just like, oh, my word, what's going on? And, uh, I mean, it was a God thing because she didn't break a bone. Didn't I mean, she, she hit her head pretty hard because it was all concrete down there. But it was one of those things where I had the presence of mind to tell my aunt who came to the top of the stairs, call 911, call 911. And, I mean, it was, again, it was the scariest thing, but it was like that, kind of like that training thing that kicks in. Yeah. Just like make sure she doesn't move her head. It was like all that stuff just flashed in my eye. I knew that was the Lord helping me get through that to help her. And like I said, it was a miracle. She didn't break anything. She just had, you know, you know, get a little goose egg for a minute. Goose, yeah. yeah. So three minutes later, so. the basket was rolled away, <laughs> yeah. and she was resurrected. She was, but it was like, <laughs> and the worst thing she was worried about. It's like, oh, my basement floor is filthy, and all these. Di- <laughs> well, she cleaned some of it. Well, she did, but she was more worried that they were going to see the dust on the basement floor than she was. Oh my head! And no, she's like, oh, this way, this. I'm like, I'm not. She's, it's going to be okay, mom. <laughs> That's a woman. So, yeah, it was, yeah. Just, yeah. But it was it was like one of those moments where it was like, okay, I feel yeah. it was like, okay, I feel she's gonna be okay now. Cause yeah. she's more worried about right. the thing. Right. She had her wits so, about her. But that was a God thing. Like God got me through the you know, presence of mind and all that. So well, I just had to tell that story. I think it's a good one. Yeah. For our first story this week, going into the politics portion, um, we're gonna bring some levity because this story, um, was was uh, found by my wife earlier this week, and 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 I, I, I laughed so hard reading just just the headline, I had I had tears coming out of my eyes. So uh, coming from the businessinsider.com, uh, CNN accidentally sent welcome baskets to employees who had been laid off after the CNN Plus streaming service flopped. <laughs> Uh, CNN accidentally sent welcome baskets to employees who were laid off after the CNN Plus streaming service shuttered. Uh, the they paid uh, uh, the paid streaming subscription service launched on March 29th, uh, 2022, and uh, and announced it was sh- shutting down on April 21st. <laughs> Insider previously reported. A week later, <laughs> I'm sorry. A week later, hundreds of laid off staffers received welcome gifts. What, what was that uh, you said earlier today, Jeremy? Welcome to unemployment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, in my mind, it's like best timing ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Way so to go, CNN. That's what we get with shortages, <laughs> right? They couldn't get everything together. <laughs> They're like, oh, man, we have to source this basket. and We got to source this jerky and we got to source. Oh, sorry. Um, it's not going to be animal anything, but I mean, they're going to source all these different things and then something held that up and they're like, Oh crap. The last thing came in. Oh, <laughs> and I just want to imagine that it was like a fruit basket. So by the time oh, yeah. the fruit got there, it was like rotted and, oh, and moldy. I, I thought you were talking about their staff. <laughs> well, that's not far off. <laughs> that fruit basket was closed. <laughs> it, it, it only likes uh, small children, apparently. So, yeah, right. um, yeah. So some of these gift baskets oh apparently had. <laughs> you're welcome, Alan. I knew you'd like that. Thank you. Um, 
Some of these gift baskets even uh, uh, had encouraging notes attached. Oh, wow. Saying, uh, this is an incredible time to be a part of CNN. <laughs> that was a quote on the card, one from That's one of the fantastic. cards. <laughs> that was according to Wall Street Journal. Uh, uh, another one said, uh, <laughs> quote, build relationships and take time to connect with colleagues and learn so <laughs> learn so that you make, make the most of your time here. Well, you can't, now the, yeah, you no. can't, you can't write this stuff, man. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> well, they did. But, ah! <laughs> No, <laughs> they wrote themselves okay. out of hey. it. And now say your line again. Line. Say your Welcome. Line. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> they they can't write this stuff, man. They can't write this stuff. But they did. Hey! Hey, man, you're clever, Alan. <laughs> you are so clever. <laughs> so satisfying, right? <laughs> so CNN like said, best timing ever. <laughs> CNN spent as much as $250 million on launch oh, man. and uh, saw a meager audience engagement uh, out of the gate, n- never surpassing 10,000 viewers at any time per CNBC. I wonder if that 250000 included the, the welcome baskets. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had to shut it down. Why? Uh, it was the, the welcome baskets. The, the baskets put us over budget. <laughs> Wait, excuse me. Did you say the welcome baskets set us over? Maybe. So, <laughs> so my 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 thought my thought was what hap- what had ha- what had happened would uh, <laughs> um, they were having English. supply chain issues, you know, getting oh, the yeah. baskets out, so oh, they yeah. had to wait, you know, yeah. and uh, they, you know they're like, well, I'll just send the baskets when they come in, you know, and right. then right. So hey, uh, CNN Plus shut down, and they were like, well, they said to send the baskets when they came in, so. Let's go ahead and send them out. But, you know, it went UPS, uh, and then, you know, it got lost, trampled, and then showed up at their front doorstep a little late. It's the only place CNN looked for quality products. (laughs) (laughs) So now they just have, now they're just a bunch of basket cases. Yes. Sadly. Unemployed basket cases. <laughs> no, that was wow! Great. I, I remember when you sent that to me. I was, I was dying laughing. You said I was driving, and I'm one of those horrible people. I'm like, oh, ding! Coming from Josh. Oh, 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 oh. oh this is fantastic. juicy. <laughs> like the fruit in their baskets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, it wasn't juicy by the time I got in. Uh, well, and I also imagine that, like, oh no, we've sent these baskets out after we fired them. How do we make it up? And I'm waiting for the story to come across that's saying that they sent out sorry baskets, but they were the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Also with encouraging cards, like. (laughs) Keep smiling. We're in this together. (laughs) CNN takes out loan for $300 to produce baskets. CNN is here for you. (laughs) Best timing Timing ever. Ever. What do you think, Louie? <laughs> He's so lost. You can't even say anything. It's like, no words. <laughs> what can you say? Part of life. <laughs> Part of life. That's getting a basket after you're unemployed from a job. Well, that was one of the cards. Oh, that's life. <laughs> Signed, now they're hanging Louis. out in the unemployment line with that basket. Right. Making split. Uh, they're probably doing um, It's just bread. Having the bananas and making <laughs> Um, banana split. Oh, my word. So it's just bread and soup. It's just bread and soup. 
but it's not even real soup. It's like powdered stuff. <laughs> oh, that you nice. Just just add water. Foraged. It's all just foraged. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. At least nice. they send us Aquafina water. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this stuff like 0.09% salt, so they're going to get more thirsty yes. anyway? <laughs> just oh, like just, just torturous with this rotten fruit and aquafina. Yeah, it's great. What was his name that left Fox Street? Uh, I mean, Fox, Fox Street. Fox Street. <laughs> Fox. Oh, he left Fox News uh, yeah. um, and went over to, to Chris CNN. Wallace. Yeah. Chris Could Wallace. Could you imagine him in the unemployment line telling the, the lady, um, I, was, I left on a Fox to go to CNN and got fired? Because... <laughs> Because of our stellar economy that we have right now under (laughs) Joe Biden. You're welcome. Yeah, former Vice President Joe Biden. I I, I do imagine that, Louie. I imagine him standing in the unemployment line. Like trying to trying to tell everybody like he's like like he's a crazy person. Honestly, last year, last year, or well, a couple years ago, I was moderating the presidential debate. It really happened. <laughs> I love Fox receded, and all I got was this stupid basket. <laughs> oh, and it's probably on a t-shirt. <laughs> and, he's, and he's wearing the basket on his head. And it's not even screen print. Just no, no it's just that crappy iron-on vinyl. That oh, I was thinking it was his marker. <laughs> Marker on a white tee. <laughs> I thought I was going to be something great in that show. But it just went. I wonder if it oh, had like those miniature goodness. bottles of alcohol. So, so he's just sitting there like, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to be fine. It's never enough. <laughs> there's always, hey, if you're looking for a place to scoop trash, there's always MSNBC. So oh, there you go. <laughs> Jin Saki will gladly move over. There you go. Yeah, going over there, Chris Wallace. I'm sure that they'll give you a job. You you have to walk on there and say, hey, you see this? You see this color? I hate it. I got a job now. (laughs) Eat that, mother trucker. (laughs) Nice save. (laughs) This is a family show. Okay, so... um, Uh, oh, well. I like that you think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, so um, our second article this week, um, <laughs> slightly less levity, but uh, I, um, but I agree with I agree with it. So um, comes from the San, uh, so it's come, comes from the Independent. Uh, reading: San Francisco Archbishop defies Pope's advice by banning Pelosi from receiving communion. Um, San Francisco's Archbishop has uh, defied Pope's, uh, the Pope's advice by banning Nancy Pelosi from receiving communion over her support of abortion rights. Uh, our Archbishop uh, um, Salvatore Cordelione announced the action against the House Speaker, who is a lifelong Catholic, after her vote in Congress to codify, codify the Roe v. Wade amid the Supreme Court controversy. Well, if she wasn't a lifelong Catholic, and her parents weren't either, there's a good chance she could have been aborted to begin with <laughs> a long time go. ago. <laughs> you know, talk about managing fear. We you would said, have thanked God for it, too. I'm so thankful. <laughs> you said he was the archbishop in San Francisco. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about managing fear. Yeah. Right? That's That takes a brave man to stay there, especially a Catholic. Well, that's his right. Wow. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, hey, job. that's, again, managing fear. I imagine he's got a lot of people out there that are against him. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi is, if she can remember that. But. Brave man. It's Archbishop <laughs> Salvatore Cardellone. 
Sounds like he, I mean, that kind of name, that invokes in my brain like mafia boss. But, hey, if, well, if you can tell. He's part of the family. <laughs> you don't mess with the family. You don't get communion. I mean, it, no. couldn't be, it couldn't be that bad there. I mean, you know, I'm not saying this, but it used to be the left's opinion to you know, tear apart anyone of the Catholic faith because, you know, priests were supposedly pedophiles. Mm. But now the left is full of pedophiles, so. <laughs> it's uh, it's open arms for everyone. <laughs> I mean, they and now and now all fingers. of the left, they keep everyone on the left is now Catholic <laughs> by their own stereotype. Well, every, that means everyone in Hollywood is Catholic. Then that's true. Well, not everyone, but large portion. Not far off. No. Yeah. Yeah. But they got to get gluten free Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Another one should be Whoopi. She should be th- not get. Uh, com- Oh, yeah. either. Oh, well. She, She's yeah. against the Pope. She Yeah, she had said on The View this week, she said, it's not your job, man. That's what she told the Archbishop. It actually is. It's kind of his only job yeah. is to tell people exactly what they can and cannot do as there is a hierarchy within the church. Well, he's not just a bishop. He's the archbishop. So I think he's got some say in what things can and can't be. Be done. That woman just That's keeps just throwing out in, in um, oh. in a, what do you call it? Um, false information. Misinformation. False in, news. False information. <laughs> fake news. Giving out fake, fake news. news. Fake news. And, and fake while, news, Whoopi. And while all of her fans keep throwing out small children they've aborted. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I can't believe they do that, child. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, it's I try to find body. the mid- I try to find the middle ground between my show and your show occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, my I, body, and I do what I want with my body. It's true. Just keep it over there, Whoopi. <laughs> well, she's think, a sister, and she has to act. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Seattle. Good night. <laughs> I'm joking, she but. would have to get in the back in the habit of that. Too. Oh yeah, there Two. you go. Two. Two. Yeah. yeah. Two. Yeah, we liked acting Whoopi. We don't like, <laughs> like Whoopi as herself. Right. Well, she did play a hyena. I think that's kind of ironic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alan nearly lost his water. He did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it in your nose still? Your sinuses moisturized now. They're fantastic. All right. Best timing. You just cleaned out all that, all that pollen we've been getting. Best yeah. timing. timing. Ever. ever. <laughs> Feel reinvigorated, guys. Thanks. You got you to lower that last part. That Ever. That's what you do. It's That's my high-pitched nasally voice. Yeah. What do you want from me? Ever. Ever. <laughs> Best timing ever. <laughs> that was in stereo. Sorry for those who are listening. <laughs> and the rest of this program is going to get turned down wherever they're listening. Turned down for what? I yield exactly. my time. <laughs> You know, like oh that. my goodness! <laughs> I didn't hear that, Louis. Would you like to repeat that? I will use my time to jock. Oh, <laughs> you know there are these these words in the English language. There's some that just kind of like rub you the wrong way. Oh, yeah, like the word sounds like program, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. program, program. Yeah, progressive. Yeah. Well, that that rubs us all the wrong way. <laughs> I just don't want them to rub me. <laughs> well, you're too old. Oh, oh, I like it. I like it. That's yeah. That's getting a fist bump there. That's getting a fist bump there. Josh is uncomfortable. But the word yield. His cheeks are turning red. Yes, because it's one of those like 
Uh, yeah, it just it crawls right up underneath the skin cells and just yeah, like yeah. sandpaper. Right. It it rubs me the wrong way. It really does. Yeah. I I I don't know if it's just like because I hate seeing it in traffic. Yield sign. Do I stop or do I go or do I slow down? What is this thing? What is this? What does this triangle sign mean? I just want I to see a four. Get it. Yeah, four way yield. Yeah, that's what I. Roundabout is <laughs> it's a four-way yield. Yeah, four-way. That sounds like a four-way pileup to me. It's right. <laughs> made by the devil himself. I'm convinced. That's why they got roundabouts. Yeah, the the roundabouts were constructed by the devil himself. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm telling you, uh, this is an absolute well, truth. Avoid Carmel. Sorry for those who don't know, Carmel is the roundabout capital of Indianapolis and Indiana. I hate I think, it, United I think it might be the roundabout capital of the, the United US. States. Carmel, Indiana. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, uh, well, I don't know who invented them, but the devil. I just I told never. you. I love them, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been voted out. I know. And I just don't you like the fact. I don't like them using my tax dollars for them, but I love them. <laughs> you are the minority in this group on that. They're like, let's put some fancy hey. flowers in the middle. I'm like, no. Now that he's a minority, he can get free stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I like like free roundabouts. <laughs> free roundabouts. All of them. I want one at the end of my driveway. They're going to give you a Lego playset, and it's just roundabouts. <laughs> With cars. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, that, that roundabout didn't work. In the middle. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I don't know how we got from communion to this, but... But and here we are. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. Hey, that's what happened to the. That's what happened to delivery trucks, that were delivering the pack the uh, the thank you baskets. Way too many roundabouts. Way too many roundabouts. What is this sign? What does it mean? Do I stop or do I go? They just keep going around and around. And around. Where do we get off? I they were know. also <laughs> CNN employees. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh man! No. Ironically, got uh, uh, fired immediately after the baskets were delivered. <laughs> I like it. I like it. In this wow. economy, my that's that's, that's fantastic, though. That is. You know what I don't like about this? We're gonna end on like a somber note. Didn't we do this last week too? We did do this last week, and there there was some talk about it uh, early on in the show, but it's just this is these are these are the types of things that we have to tackle and and and. I think all of our hearts broke this week um, when we when we heard the news about this. But um, uh, the last story coming from the, the Texas Tribune. Um, yeah. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott says he was misled about poor police response to, I, I don't know how to say it correctly, Uvalde shooting? Uvalde. 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 Yeah. Uvalde shooting. Quote, I am livid about what happened, the governor said at a tense press conference in, in Uvalde. Quote, the information I was given turned out in part to be inaccurate, and I am absolutely livid about that. Now, hmm. he was given information that these police officers, when they got there, they immediately went in. That's not what happened. When they responded, they got there, and they were outside for, I th- think, the time. Quite a while, yeah. They said, an, uh, I heard an hour. An hour, yeah. So 45 minutes to an hour. 45 minutes to an mm-hmm. hour. With with the parents yelling to the officers to get in there. Right. 
that was that was the part that hit me the hardest. They also said that he barricaded himself in there, and when some police officers went in, they got shot up, and they came right back out. So I don't know how yeah. true that was, but I mean, I understand trying to attempting to establish a perimeter. I get that, but there wasn't a time. That was not the time or the place to establish a perimeter. You're going into no. an active shooter situation where children's lives are on the line. You know, and on the other end of that, I mean, again, this is not sticking up for them, but I'm saying, like, I would like to think that they were doing their best because that's a very small community, and yeah. a lot of those people, a lot of those officers had children, family members, of course, in there. So you'd think they would they would do their best. But I mean, oh, my gosh, an hour? An hour? Yeah. With parents yeah, there. Seem, it seems I mean, to me that they let the fear. They take, did not manage their fear properly. did not manage their fear properly. Or their time. And my thing is, it's like, <clears throat> we want to talk about, you know, what the left likes to push, which is defunding police. You know, that they want to put it on, you know, guns. Oh, it's a gun subject again. And it's like, we're missing the mark on that big time. If 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 we care about our children, which I, I'm not saying they don't care or those police officers didn't care, but it's like there's got to be a level of training, like 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 in the military, where training kicks in and overrides your fear or whatever you you know whatever they're trying to like set up a perimeter, do it quickly, get in there. You're putting your life on the line, yes, but. You're doing something that you're being paid to do. You're doing you're, you're something trained. you're trained to do. You're trained to do, and you're wearing the proper gear to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and these are kids, young kids. Defenseless. Yes. Yeah. You, you saw, look, Biden gave 40000 to the Ukraine, but 40, yet he don't give no money mil- to 40, defund these schools billions. to put <laughs> yeah. police officers in there. To protect these kids, you know, it's it's really ridiculous. It's unbelievable what's going on out here. Yeah. The left says to act, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's 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 their big shtick this week, right? It was like we need to act. These fourteen children died, and these two teachers died, and it's in vain if we don't act by taking away <laughs> rights from all the good citizens out there. No, we need a solution. That works for everybody. Um, uh, this has been said many times, and, and I'm sure you're gonna, but you're gonna hear it from here too, because it is the best solution. If, see, if a kid, this young man, who wore a dress for some reason, went in to this school because it said gun-free zone, plain and simple, easy. Yeah, easy. I mean, you know, easy pickings is good pickings, right? I like it. Right. I like a sign that no says, protection. I can do whatever I want. I mean, I like. So I would rather schools ignored? have a sign that say something along the lines of "employees are armed and trained to use their weapons." I mean that that's exactly. even if even if there's no one in there with a gun, there could be that day. There may not. There might. There might not be. Even wants to roll the dice on that though. Right. Right. When there's a reason that when you get that little seed in their head, that seed of doubt in their head, like if I walk in here, I may not even get a chance to shoot anybody. I may be dead the soon. The moment I breach those doors, someone's going to be like, that's it. I'm dead. 
you get that seed, they're going to think twice. That's why they're – go ahead. And how could those doors be open, that door be open, you know? <laughs> exactly. They should have been closed. I don't understand that either. You know, to that to, to the point we were talking about, I mean, that's that's why we see in cities where guns are legal, we see less people um, be victims of armed robbery. You know, because there's that, I'm going to steal something from you. I'm going to pull a gun on you and steal your wallet. Well, you can do that in Chicago because you know the law-abiding citizens don't have guns. Right. Right, but you can't do that here. There's yeah. there's a good chance that when they go to pull their wallet, they pull a gun yeah. as well. You know, so, I mean, same thing. What we're saying is, you know, you put you take down the signs that say gun-free zone. You put up a sign that says, you know, employees are armed and trained to use their weapons. Sidearms. Even if they're not. Even if they're not, it still says there's a potential that you're not going to make it. There's right. a potential you don't get a chance to do what you want to do. It's a wondering that it's, this is Texas where you could buy a gun at any time. And mostly everybody's armed there. What happened to those teachers? Why did they didn't have a gun with them? Or that, that's anything the, like that. So that is what I'm talking about right there. Like, that's the question. Teachers who want to, because I know that not, there's, there's some teachers that are, just won't, are not going to want to. And that's fine. But the teachers who want to... Let them be armed. If they're willing to go through the training and learn how to properly use a firearm, let them be trained so that they can be on the premises and protect those children. Because and so they're not laying their own lives down to protect those children. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, not, I'm not saying they shouldn't. They shouldn't. But I'm saying the only way teachers have at this moment to protect those children is to be a human shield. Is to be a shield. Is to push them up out of a window, or to dive in front of a bullet. Something like that, you know, they don't have the ability to actually protect their own lives, but put your own oxygen mask on before you apply it to someone else, right? Why aren't they harmed? I mean, well, and you got to right. think ten minutes. Ten minutes is too long to wait for help to come. Oh, let alone half an hour, forty-five minutes, an hour. I can't even imagine being in that situation as a teacher with those children in your protection, knowing I can't do anything except barricade the door. But if he breaks in, if he shoots the door out, what am I going to do? And instead, you got to wait on a police force that took an hour to finally get in there and actually put this guy down. And it's like, outside of that, you have a person, a security person, or more than that, and a police, you know, whatever teacher, pulling arms and going through that school and looking for this guy actively and knowing, well, like you said, there's a chance I'm going to die today. But I'm going to die knowing that I'm, I'm protecting these kids from whoever this person is, whoever this evil person is. And knowing that, I would rather be that teacher or that security personnel knowing I have some way of protecting these kids and answering this instead of waiting on somebody for an hour to say to finally get in there and take care of this thing. At the very least, a preventative measure is to have landmines. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that's Louie's way of doing things. There you things. go. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you could use CNN Plus gift baskets. That definitely <laughs> will stop them at the door that for sure. That stops Chambers. everything. <laughs> but no funny feeling. You know, these kids, yeah. they ain't having a chance to grow up, to be whatever they want to be, doctors, nurses, whatever. You know, their life would just end it there. Yeah. You know, and, and could have been prevented. Yes, and they're all with God now, and at least they don't have to be in this cruel world, yeah. you know? Yeah. And 
they're going to be angels now with God, with the God. Yeah, they'll be with God for yeah. sure. And like it's the you know the very least the the best prevent I think one of the one of the best preventative measures if we're not going to arm the teachers, let's um, get cops in plain clothes, you know, or uh, or veterans that have you know they need a paycheck. We're, we're, how how much money are we sending to schools every year? I think it's uh what like four hundred thousand per school or something like that. It equates out to. I think they can afford to to pay a couple armed guards that you don't know who they if they if they're armed guards or if they're just a teacher's aide walking around the school, the kids don't know the difference, right? Um, and neither would any uh, potential shooters. I saw someone post on Twitter the other day, and I'm sorry I didn't gather this because I, I didn't. It was before we talked about this. Yeah. Um, he showed a picture of the veteran who stands who hangs out in the office at his daughter's high school every day with his AR slung across his shoulder. In plain clothes, but with his AR. Oh, I've seen that. And he's, he said, you know, I just, I, I'm so thankful that he comes to work every single day and protects our kids, you know, at our school that's gated and has a fence all the way around it and it's protected. But just knowing if someone does breach that, they have to deal with him. A combat trained, you know, war hardened veteran who is going to do everything he possibly can to protect our children. Right. They were talking about that, that they should take some veterans that are retired and protect the schools. Or they need money too, right? Security guards, yes. They do. Well, it's interesting that, you know, you can be a government official and be surrounded by people with guns, uh, even probably fully automatic guns, and not worry about people coming in and attacking because people know if I go in there, I'm probably going to be dead before I even get into the hall. Or wherever they're wherever they're meeting, and yet they're like, "No, nah, we shouldn't do that in schools." It, you know, let's put more regulations on you know people like you said, legal and well-meaning people that own guns. Let's put more regulations on them, so uh, you know it's harder for them to protect for them. And yet, criminals <laughs> obviously they're just going to ignore all that. What are and you talking about? When you make drugs illegal, <laughs> drugs go away. When you make oh, abortion right. illegal, abortion goes away. Right. When you make guns illegal, they're just going to go away. <laughs> That's what we keep seeing. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that we can bring this one to a close. Now, um, I just want to say uh, before we go, um, here at Revolver Broadcasting, uh, our uh, our baskets won't go out too late. <laughs> Uh, so you got to keep us in business. We got to we got to be able to keep doing this every week. So only know. because we have to make the baskets for ourselves. <laughs> he's got a sweatshop down here. He's not telling you about. <laughs> Don't tell kinda, people that because they'll believe it. But I was kind of I was kind of hoping for welcome to unemployment basket. So <laughs> well, then go work for CNN Plus. There you go. It'll happen overnight. So, <laughs> well, not the baskets. <laughs> no, maybe two weeks after, <laughs> at least. They're stuck in the roundabouts, right? Still. All right. So I've been your host this week uh, once again. The hostess. Host again this okay. week. Swinger. I'll correct it if I said it wrong. I don't know if I misspoke or not. No, that was just Alan. Just Alan. <laughs> his hearing's off. Oh. He forgot to turn his hearing aid up. He's got to yield his time back to me. Um, but should he stop or should he go? I don't know. Yeah. He's still in the roundabout. Either. <laughs> sure, sure. He's the one that had your basket. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's the problem. So I have been your host of Faith Family Politics, Joshua Cummins. 
Thank you for joining us. Uh, we got our good friend Louis Rodriguez, host of Rodriguez Rants. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. We got the man who brought the message this week, Jeremy Hess. Thank you for joining us, thank sir. You, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad Last to be here. but not least, you know him, you love him, the well. host of Laughing Libertarian, <laughs> Alan McFarland. Hey, thanks a lot. I really do appreciate you having me on. All right, brother. And I will make a show this week. <laughs> Pressure. If not, we're going to send him a basket. <laughs> Best. I almost, I almost said words I can't say. Timing. On Ever. Best. Exactly. Tune in for my show to see the words I couldn't say here. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>